Welcome to the planevents.ca podcast. This is your host, Kamran. And today we have our guest, Inder. She came on to our episode, uh, to our podcast, not episode. She came on about six months ago in episode 15, um, where we kind of dove into the initial impacts on her um, as a her as a wedding planning professional and kind of dealing with COVID. And today we um, brought her back on for something completely different. Um, we're going to be talking about her personal journey being an Indian woman um, and kind of forging her own path on how she wanted to, how she wants to live her life um, and how that tied into her uh, experience um, in the marriage process uh, personally. So kind of high level, um, what we're going to be talking about is um, we'll have Inder who's on, give her, give a quick intro um, for those who you who have not, who might not know who she is. Um, we'll also talk about, or I say she'll actually, she'll also share how she um, met her husband. Um, also her individual journey, like really getting to know herself and how if she didn't take that individual journey, she may have never met her husband ever. Um, and then we'll kind of go more into details on that topic and also some of the more, I think, detailed discussions around um, the experience of, you know, raising a family and so on. Because I think um, often before getting married, uh, Folks, you know, even me might have certain expectations of what married life is going to be like before we're getting married. And I think it, I would not be surprised if, you know, expectations pre-marriage have to change or evolve over time way after. So hoping to get some awesome insights from Inder. And with that said, I'm going to stop talking and I'm going to hand off to Inder to give her intro. Awesome. Thank you, Kamran. Um, yeah, so my name's Inder and... Typically, I'm a destination wedding planner, but COVID decided to um, change my title for 2020. So um, I've kind of just been, you know, focusing more on myself this year and getting the back end of our business kind of going and um, kind of organized. Um, but yeah, so we're here to chat, um, not about the business side of things or the work side of things, but something a bit more personal and I just hope to kind of share a little bit about um, how I met my husband and how um, just going on my own personal journey kind of set the stage for being ready for that next stage of marriage and I just hope that the conversation we have today is able to help somebody or somebody is able to take something away from this. And if anybody has questions, um, feel free to DM me as well. I love getting deep with people and like, you know, chatting about life things. Um, so yeah, just, um, I hope this is something that can help someone. Awesome. Okay. So before we jump into how you met your husband, can you share a little bit about your upbringing, you know, both like how you were raised practically, but I'd also want to get insight on it. I assume there was a point in your life where family and community members may have started um, hinting on on marriage. Um, that may or may not be true. You can you can fill us in on that, and also kind of share like what was your living situation like? Um, you know, mm -hmm. like did you move out at some point on your own? Um, what yeah. spurred you to move on and so on. So why don't you give us kind of the context um, in that sense? Sure, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I grew up um, Indian typical household, um, Indian parents in Abbotsford, BC. Um, 
and I was an only child for like the first 10 years so um after that time I got a little brother um who's like my best friend now and um so yeah it was a typical upbringing and I really I had a good upbringing um I definitely had a sheltered upbringing um and I say that because like you know my parents um they wouldn't let me really go out I wasn't really going to school dances um and but I always like wanting to do that stuff so I definitely was like that sheltered um you know perfect on paper little girl <laughs> and um in that sense um really did everything by the book so I I was that perfect little girl child and daughter I should say and <laughs> I, th- I I say this um not to brag it in, in any way because you know doing that individual journey in this process of learning about yourself um you see how that kind of affects you even later in life trying to please others so much and living up to expectations and I think that's something that all Indian girls um experience to some degree is living up to some kind of expectation um so yeah in that sense I had that typical upbringing the expectation was you know, do well in school, listen to your parents, get good grades, don't talk to boys, and um, go to university. And um, yeah, like the boy thing, it was definitely no boys allowed. Like that was like, the taboo, everything else was kind of like, okay, so in that sense, I never like, did anything bad. But like, obviously, like, like every Indian typical girl, like I might have had a boyfriend or something like that. Um, but, um, yeah, so that was that, but, um, it was really typical, my upbringing. Um, it wasn't until like, I think I hit about like 25 where I did a lot of like self-reflection, um, and went on this individual journey, like, okay, this is not about pleasing other people. What is this about? And, that's probably the first time in my life, like around 25, when I took the time to learn about myself. And yeah, that that was so huge. Awesome. So I, I have some kind of follow-up questions, and I don't want to mm-hmm. derail us too much. So I'm curious to know, the the types of rules and restrictions that were placed on you, were those mm-hmm. same types of restrictions placed on your on your younger brother, or did he have more freedom growing up? Yeah, I think he absolutely had more freedom growing up. <laughs> um, it was my brother and I have such a different relationship too because of our age difference. Um, him growing up, like I always felt like his mom in a way because, uh, you know, we had the immigrant parents. So I went through school. I was meeting with his teachers at like thirteen years old. Like, you know, it was I was that communicator of English between them and like that next professional person. So. I really had that like mom role um, with him. And when he, when he was doing all these things, like it would be like, he would have to ask me like, can I go out with my friends? Like, can I go to the dance? Um, And I knew what that was about. So I never stopped him from that. Um, But of course, as a boy, he just naturally gets more freedom. (laughs) So I think once like I grew up, the pressure for my parents was also gone. Like, okay, she's grown up. Like he's a boy they were just chill after that it's funny i mean i had um i had not had i should not say had i have a brother and uh he's younger than i am by a few years but growing up i was super sheltered 
too like until i moved out i moved out for college when i was 18 but um even when i was 18 i was still like sneaking out of my window to like go out and <laughs> I, I mean at a certain age i was getting caught and i just i didn't care i'd, and I'd get grounded yeah. and i'd break the rules anyways but i wasn't able to go to school dances or anything like i never i never went to prom yeah. or anything like that uh i always had to be home by before way before sunset my brother yeah. uh went to prom went to all the dances yeah. went <laughs> traveling to new york with his class like just kind of did everything that i wasn't allowed to do so i totally feel like i was yeah. like the and experiment and then like my parents were like yeah it's not worth the stress <laughs> so let's just let him let the other one do whatever he wants yeah and like you you say the prom thing like prom was such a huge deal like me I like I never really asked to like go to dances or anything but when it came to prom I was like okay like I have to go to prom like this is like what all the tv shows are about you know and it just has to be perfect so I literally didn't even get my dress till like a week or two before but it was picked out months in advance um and I just remember like it was like this big day and I had to ask my dad like he had to allow me and I like it was like literally I was like dad and he still remembers this conversation because, like, he always says, like, that day when you said that, like, it just broke my heart. And, like, I was like, it was such a big conversation for both of us. But literally, I was like, Dad, like, if I don't go to prom, like, I'll never forgive you. I'll never forget this. <laughs> and, like, it was just so dramatic. And, um, yeah, he said I could go. And, yeah, it was just crazy. But even like to the point of like wearing like a distress like I just felt so weird like thank god like I, no one like my family my dad didn't like see me off because like I got ready at my friends but it was just like weird like we just didn't um experience our relationship wasn't like that but I say this like loosely too because like my dad really treated me like he always says like he treated me like a boy but like sometimes I get that and I don't and after like reflecting now back like I see like he definitely like he's always respected my opinion and really like one when, when I sit him down and have a conversation he always understands and I think my dad and I are actually so much alike and I am able to realize this so much later on in life but um yeah, it's just crazy. Like, I just didn't take make the effort to be like, I want to go to the dance or like, I just wanted to be that good girl. I wanted to live up to their expectation. But when it came to prom, I was like, okay, no. And you know <laughs> what? I was prom queen. So good thing. I Did you I tell your parents? <laughs> um, I don't know. Like, I don't even know if they would know what is that? Like, I don't even know I want to go through all of that. But um, yeah, it, it was funny the way it worked out. So yeah. It's funny. So, um, so eventually, like, yeah, you mentioned you kind of started your personal journey at 25. Were you were you still living with your family at that time? Or did you move out by that point? Yeah, no, like, once I graduated high school, I would say like, I was like, really like, sheltered up until then. And once I hit high school, um, that was when my parents really gave me any sense of freedom, like when it came to like going to university and whether it was what I wanted to study or where I wanted to work or they always have supported me like in that sense I think it was just their like fear of me getting through high school that was like really huge for them and in a way now I look back and I'm really thankful that they were sheltering me in that way because I see like as teenagers like our minds are so fragile and we're so easily influenced and like they were just looking out for me so like I get it now 
but like back then it was like the worst thing they could ever do to me and like you know that's all you think life is when you're so young that, that's um, definitely true i did i couldn't i even in high school i like i could not envision anything past high school yeah <laughs> like, i wasn't even sure if i like the idea of graduation just just seemed unreal to me yeah you just don't know what is after like okay <laughs> yeah. like you know it's just it's weird it's so tough and like I feel for kids now because like now having to deal with social media and everything along with the normal stuff that a teenager deals with is probably just so much. So yeah, kudos to the teens of today um, for hanging in there. But uh, yeah, it's, it was interesting. That was, yeah. So once I hit high school after high school, um, I really got that freedom. I was able to go to like university. I didn't live on campus or anything. Um, but like they got me a car, I had like a cell phone that they knew about now (laughs) and, um, (laughs) you know, these kinds of things. So it was just more freedom in that sense. I could be out all day long. Um, and they wouldn't question me. I would just be like, this is where I'm at. And maybe I was there, maybe I wasn't, but like I had the freedom (laughs) at that point to be like, okay, not questioned by my parents. Um, and I was yeah, they trusted me. Like I had work that I had to travel for a lot. Um, and they let me go on these trips. They really encouraged me. They actually sent me to Australia by myself when I was 14 too, but it was actually like a punishment. Um, Usually people send their kids to India as punishment, but yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, my, my mom's family is in Australia. So they were like, I got in trouble um, at school for something, and they were like, okay, you need to go away somewhere. And um, I had really, like, proper cousins who, like, my grandma and everybody <laughs> would always say how good they are and so proper. They're, like, thinking I'm, like, going crazy off the deep end, like, she needs to go there. But, like, it wasn't even anything. Like, I was really such a good girl. But, um yeah, it was just funny. They sent me to Australia. So they've always like allowed me to go places. And I think like because they sent me away by myself, like that huge journey, I remember like my layover was in Honolulu and it was like long flights. And I was like, wow, like I'm so grown. I'm like doing this by myself. And actually, no, it was actually when I was like 13, 14. I don't know, but I was just really young. And <laughs> if it like, I think that really played a part in me going solo traveling because like, I knew what it was like from a younger age. <clears throat> yeah, that makes that makes sense. So I, I guess um, so when when you when you decided so when you when you hit around the age of twenty five, mm-hmm. what, what what prompted you? Um, and I also want to know were there were there pressures also at that point to start you know looking for somebody settle down or what what was that experience like? Yeah. So my dad. Like, growing up, like, there was always the expectation that one day I'm going to get married. But never did they ever, like, present me with somebody or, like, you need to think about looking for somebody or so-and-so has a son. Like, they never really encouraged marriage to me ever. But it was just always, like, this end goal of one day it'll just happen. Um, So I don't really know even to this point what they were thinking because I even (laughs) say to my mom, like, sometimes, like, you guys never ever like talk to me about getting married. And she was just like, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, okay, <laughs> like, what is that all about? And she's like, I don't know. And I don't know. I think my parents just, I don't know why. I still don't have really an answer for that. But I, it wasn't that scenario where like at 22, they're like trying to marry me off. Like, 
I don't know. No, that sounds like sounds kind of like a good deal. Yeah, <laughs> it, yeah, yeah. They never they never gave that expectation that I need to go. Um, so yeah, it it was really organic in that way. Um, it, I, to the point where I felt uncomfortable telling them I want to get married because <laughs> 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 like they'd never said go get married. Um, yeah, actually, yeah, it was really interesting. So. And like to touch on like, I did actually move out kind of a little bit. Um, I was living in Abbotsford, then I was living in downtown Vancouver for like a couple of years, um, around 24, 25, when I like started to go on this little individual journey. Um, yeah. And so all of that, they, they gave me my space. They definitely did not as I got older to do what I wanted. No, that's, that's nice. So mm-hmm. then I guess what prompted you to kind of go out, you know, on your own and I, I guess uh, figure out who you are? Um, it was probably like a major breakup um, or like a couple of them, <laughs> you know, at that time. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, you know, I was just like, what am I really doing? I'd never really had that point of like truly just being myself there was always somebody else in my life that like whether it's like my family or my friends or like a partner just somebody to run everything by and um I don't think up until that age I ever made a decision alone and that thought was just like crazy to me when I realized it and I was like what the heck and then by that point um I had been working in travel for a couple of years and I just, I wanted to go. I wanted to explore. I wanted to see what the world was about. Um, I was just a sheltered little girl from Abbotsford, BC and thought that moving to downtown was gonna, I don't know. Glamorous. (laughs) Glamorous. And like, just even just like that, that you made it when you did that. Like that's what life was about at that point. Right. Yeah. And then then it was like, okay, then what? Like there has to be more to this shit than this. <laughs> and you know, you know, like, yeah, just being locked up in a box and then walking to your job and then walking back up to your box. It was just weird to me that we're all just doing this and at five o'clock the sidewalks are packed and like you know, it's just weird. So yeah. It, it just I'll set go. me Yeah, sorry. No, I'm sorry, I interrupted. Go go for it. I thought you were all, you were done. Yeah, no, it just sent me on this like what are we doing here moment, I guess. And that was when I decided, okay, like literally I quit my job. I decided I wanted to work for myself. I didn't really know how or like what that was going to be at that point. But like, I was just like, there's just more to this. And that was when like my whole journey of like manifestation and what does your life look like? What do you want it to look like? What does it take to build that life? And a lot of self-work and um, self-help books and motivational quotes and all that kind of jazz. <laughs> time. Um, so yeah, that was that. Yeah. I don't want, I, I won't uh, derail because I think this is going to segue to ultimately like where you went off to um, and how you met your husband. But I did want to add, mm-hmm. like I grew up in a, in a very, uh, so I was sheltered as well, but I also grew up in a very small town. So like, mm-hmm. um, when I was in high school, I always had this vision of like living in the city, living in a high rise, uh, mm-hmm. 
you know, just like imagine myself like having brunch on the weekend, yeah, <laughs> dressing super nice, uh, just like walking on sidewalks in the city. These are things I envision. And you know, Ooh. once I got into the city, I mean, it, it, it two weeks later, it, I mean, it gets old. It's just like you get used yeah, to anything with material, you, it gets old. Yeah. So, um, you have to carry your groceries, you're getting parking it, tickets everywhere, yeah. <laughs> And that, yeah, so I, I mean, I think, yeah, that was a good, that is a good experience, but it, it was nothing like what I had in, envisioned it. So I, I thought that was funny. But yeah, I, I, yeah. I want to, I'll give you back the mic so you can kind of continue on. Yeah. Um, so yeah, at that point, I was just like, okay, quit my job. And I went to Southeast Asia. I, I like, I always say, like, I'm, I, I, I don't know, like, it's like a organized chaos, I describe it as my life as. So even though like, I was just like, quitting my job and leaving, at the same time, like I knew when I got there, okay, like, this is how I intend to earn income. And this is like the job that I'll do. And this is what my plan will be for the first like couple months. Um, so it's always like, you know, sometimes I think people go, um, like, oh, like, how is this possible? And like, I can't just quit my job. And like, that just sounds so erratic. And at that time, everybody thought I was crazy. But like, there's an organized way, a thought out way to go about things to still take chances, but like calculated risks. And I think that is like, the key to all the craziness is like, you always have to have like some kind of calculated risk. And um, yeah, so like, you can quit your job, you can go just like have that plan of what you're going to do when you're there. <laughs> so um, yeah, I just want to touch on that. Um, but yeah, I got to, I went to Singapore first because I had a cousin there. So I wanted to go just like before I go off on my own, just know that I have somebody that's like within vicinity. So I spent a few weeks with her um, and she was like off working. So I would spend my days just like going off on my own, exploring Singapore, all the different areas. Um, and it was just really cool. Um, that was like one of my favorite times because that was literally the first time I'd been off on my own doing things. But then I still had a little sense of security knowing like, okay, my cousin's there and like, you know, she, we're good. And then once like a few weeks passed, I was like, okay, I'm ready for the next destination. And um, at that point, Thailand is where I was going to go because I had um, kind of like a job lined up there. But it was just really interesting because, um, uh, like, go thinking about it now, like, I'm like, wow, I cannot believe I did that because I think as we get older, I don't know, we are, we get less courage or like, I guess more responsibilities, I guess yeah. I lose now than I did at that point. So I took more risks, but, um, yeah, basically I was just communicating with this company online, um, they said they were going to pick me up from the airport when I arrived and they would have accommodations for me. Um, like I checked out the company as much as I could, but at the end of the day, like there's only so much I can do. And so like I had like my people, like I was going to check in with when I arrived, when I'm like in the taxi. Uh, but thankfully everything was proper and everything was not a bad scenario, but always, always do your homework. Don't just like jump in random cars and things like that. I'm not condoning that. But like just calculated risks, um, always like have a plan. And as a girl, obviously, it was another thought, like I'm in this country by myself, like what to accept, expect. Um, but yeah, working in travel at that point for a couple of years, I had known that like Thailand should be a good place for a solo female traveler. 
um, I'd looked into a few places at that point and yeah, I was confident that Thailand would be a good place for me. So how long did you stay in Thailand? Were you there for like a couple of weeks, a couple of months? No. So I was there for like six months. Um, and I met Ahmed like the last two weeks of my trip. So I was like by myself for like the entire time up until the last two weeks. Um, and what kind of happened throughout that process of like those first six months was like, what I really needed was just to like spend that time making my own decisions, relying on myself um, getting to know myself, learning my instincts, my intuition, my limits. What kind of decisions do you make when no one's looking? Like, do you know? Like, do you know how far you're able to, like, get pushed or push yourself or what's not for you and what is for you? Like, you'll face everything going into, like, a third world country by yourself. Like, you know, and especially a tourist country like Thailand, it wasn't like it was just Thai people I was around. I got to know, like that whole lifestyle but it's like a it's a tourist city like Phuket where I was um there's people going in and out from all over and the job that I had specifically was working with tourists so I got to have so many conversations with people from all over the world like Europe Australia New Zealand South Africa um anywhere it was just really cool so being in like that one epicenter allowed me to kind of expand myself in so many other ways too which was really cool yeah, that makes sense. I, yeah, from and this is completely random, but from what I understand, there are a ton of people um, from Australia that go to Thailand, and like it geographically, it makes sense. But like, it never clicked in my head. I was like, oh, there, why are there, you know, so many white people in Thailand? And it's like, oh yeah, Australia is just like a hop, skip away. I mean, if you're on the west coast of Australia, well, even <laughs> all of Europe and all that. So they all also that's like their beaches and destinations. Russians love Thailand too. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. So, um, so yeah, I think I don't know if people caught it, but you—that's you. The last couple of weeks in Thailand, basically, like your six-month stay, you met Ahmed, and Ahmed, I assume, is your husband. Yeah. So, um, also, I should mention, like, the six months ended up being six months, but it was completely open from the beginning and up until like the last week. I probably booked my ticket a week. And decided that that was enough time. Um, I don't know why, but it just felt like it was. And I decided to go back home. But kind of going back, um, yeah. So I met Ahmed. So how did we meet? Is that what you asked me? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so this is kind of funny. I'm like, okay, like, do I tell the real story or do I? <laughs> <laughs> you can tell whatever appropriate version of the story you'd like to tell. Uh, yeah. It's no, a, no, a totally I'm going to tell the real one because I hate when people go on podcasts and say a story that isn't real. And then later on you find out like, oh, actually, this is how it actually was. And I was just trying to like nuts. Okay. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I, I... Okay. We're going to do this. Okay. So. There was a coup happening in Phuket, um, and basically the military had taken over, so everything would shut down at, like, 6 p.m., and if they found you on the street, the military with guns would, like, take you home. So everybody would go off into their homes at 6 o'clock, and everything was shut down, like, gas stations, food, you couldn't get anything. And you know, a time like this would get lonely for some. So I was shacked up with um, two friends. So we each had our own places. But because of this like lockdown, I guess that we were experiencing, um, we decided to we would lock down together. So every evening, we would stay at one girlfriend's house. 
and um yeah that's what we were doing and so we were just having fun that was like I, I call it like my sorority time because I never got to go off to college and like live in dorms and like experience that life at that age so it really felt cool to like have that moment with those girls um um who are still great friends so it was really cool so um yeah so tinder no okay <laughs> yeah i don't mean was tinder around back then <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. i mean if, we're, if you and i are of similar age i'm wondering if it was it around back then you know it absolutely was and i was oh. that person so this is uh, what year was it? this is 2014 okay okay and prior to this i was the person who just talked so much shit about tinder i was like oh this is like the worst thing and like i can't even believe it's resorting to this because like you know like i'm like just this hopeless romantic and like had this whole different vision of love and like i'm a freaking wedding planner like you know this is like love is just supposed to be so something else and tinder was just not what i thought it was it was so i was like the most vocal person so my two girlfriends actually were playing the Tinder game and I like I was probably talking so much shit like and like I have to eat my words now which is probably why it's so uncomfortable for me talking about this but yeah I met my husband on Tinder um and how that went about because like I, I still feel like I have to protect myself <laughs> I don't know why um sure. in the way of like how I got on Tinder was actually because my girlfriends were talking to other guys and they're like, we want to see if those guys talk to you and what they say. So we were trying to like catch guys, you know? Like, <laughs> play <investigation>. Damn. <laughs> That's really good <laughs> <was> insight. Like, <laughs> so we would be like the three of us and we would be talking to like the same guys. Like they're like, ha, look what he said to me. And da, 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 da. Like say this. And like, it was just like this big game. And oh my God, was it ever entertaining? Um, especially like during that time where we had nothing else to do. And so, yeah, it was, that is how then I happened to get matched up with this guy. Um, and we just talked, we just tindered for like two weeks. Um, I think we even had some phone conversations. And that is how we met. You know, it's funny. Um, so I'm 34. So I started using the internet when I was like 12. And um, I remember in high school when people started like, and college, people started meeting people online. I definitely passed a lot of judgment about it. I was thinking, mm -hmm. you know, like, why can't you just meet somebody <laughs> in person? And how do you know that person is real? Yeah. And I think I, I met my fiance in 2013. So it's like, I remember like pretty much like starting a, around that same time, like a year after. Because by when I met my fiance, I understood Tinder as this is how you get laid. And so... Yeah. I was like, okay, well, that, that's, you know, if I'm, if, if I'm interested in a relationship, then definitely don't go on Tinder. Mm -hmm. But then, <laughs> but then like a, one or two years later, more and more people started to actually meet their partners on Tinder. Then they, then you started <laughs> having all these other dating apps come out. And mm -hmm. um, now it's like super common. It's been completely normalized. And so I feel like um, if I was a single person, I would absolutely go on those apps. It seems like the fastest, most quality way to be the opposite sex. Yeah. So I mean, why, why not? Uh, yeah, I mean, totally. Like, that is how people can meet each other nowadays. Like, especially just, like, the pool of people, I guess, and 
finding the one that works for you. Like back in the day, I guess it was just really limited to the people you know and the people that they know, and that's it. Um, um, I was gonna ask. Uh, so specifically, uh, so you were in Thailand. So was was Ahmed? Was he also in Thailand or on vacation, mm-hmm. or was he in actually in South Africa? No, so he was also uh, living in Thailand at the time for a few months, and um, he was doing Muay Thai there. Oh, at Fairtex or what? Sorry? Did he go to the Fairtex gym? Uh, No, he went to Dragon, I think. Okay, I only know because I used to be in MMA like a long time ago. Yeah, yeah. No, well, (laughs) you know, there's this road. um, I can't think of the name of the road, but it's got all the gyms on it. Mm-hmm. It's got Tiger. Are you familiar with it? I don't know. I only um, know Fairtex because they had really good gear that was expensive, like in like two thousand four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, but yeah, there's this road, and it's literally like tens of Muay Thai gyms and like health food and good food, and it's like people just come there from all over the world and fight all day and eat good food and kind of get on this like health movement. And so he was kind of there living there and yeah, we, we tindered it up. And then like I, from his, cause he also had some family there at the time. <laughs> and so everybody that he knew, like I turned into Tinder Inder. Um, oh was- <laughs> my God. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So, so was, so did you, the two of you end up physically meeting up while in Thailand during this coup, during this lockdown or no yeah so we did we after a few weeks of just chatting online we met up in person um and it's so funny because if someone is like familiar with thailand and phuket um we had this like ongoing joke that we're gonna okay i don't even know if i should tell this story it's 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 no 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 rules on this podcast yeah so (laughs) so there's this club called seduction and it's on bungla road so i don't know if you're familiar with bungla road it's like the trashiest road in Phuket and we were just like laughing like okay this is like we met on tinder and now let's meet where are we gonna meet for the first time like we have to meet on bungalow road <laughs> and then where on bungalow road oh obviously at seduction which is yeah. like this club and so we were just like we were just running with this trash love story from the beginning <laughs> that's pretty funny yeah so we met on bungalow road at seduction um on tinder that is how we met that's awesome um i uh, i definitely have a version that i tell my friends of how i met my fiance and then <laughs> i uh, have a version that i uh tell my parents and yeah, family members yeah. exactly uh, and i will say like definitely like the way my, my fiance and i met is a lot more like um the way you and i met met uh, minus um yeah. minus the tinder um but yeah that's funny <laughs> um yeah, so I'd be curious to know. So, so, so then you kind of both parted your ways. Yeah. So, goes, yeah. What happened yeah, then? So, like, we we went on our first date, and like, um, it was really good. We just hung out. We would just like vibe really well, and then we literally spent like the rest of the days together. I think there was like maybe one day in the week we didn't hang out. Um. Yeah, I was just really obsessed with him at that point. <laughs> and um, yeah, I felt like at that time, like, you know, I knew myself at that point. So we had hung out for a couple of weeks and I was like, you know, okay, 
I didn't have any expectations out of it ever. It's so weird because like I go back to that time, like I literally had no expectation. I had no idea that this person was going to turn out to be my husband and then my baby daddy and (laughs) that we're going to build this life together. Like I had no idea. And we were just having fun. We were just hanging out, enjoying being ourselves. And like, that was like, I think the biggest thing because I had been on my own, like, on my own like completely like from all the outside sources that were dependent or I was dependent on for any insight into my life and he was also on his own for a few months and this is actually um I feel like this is I want to like really highlight this because um we were both on our individual journeys and we met at a point where like we were both so free in ourselves And I'm so thankful that that's the period in time that we found each other because like, I felt like I was whole and he was whole and we were able to come together with the right mindset, I guess. And, you know, we, it's always just been this like understanding between us. We actually have never had this conversation like, okay, like we're dating or like we're boyfriend and girlfriend or like now we're like exclusive or in that sense, like it's just... I don't know. Like I always make fun of him to this day. Like you really never asked me to be your girlfriend. It was just <laughs> like we met, we hung out for two weeks. He went to South Africa. I came back home and we just had this long distance relationship for like a few months. And then I went to South Africa for like a month. And then, which was like in October later that year. Um, and then he came to Canada for a few months um and then on our one year of meeting anniversary um he had asked me to come back to thailand with him and then he proposed so, oh that's really nice <laughs> yeah so it was like we just we did like the long distance for a year and then and like i don't think i've ever said this to him but like you know i deal with so many i don't want to say situations but like i have really good girlfriends and like you know we chat and like i some of them are like dating and like always like going through these situations like with guys these days and like one thing like I just appreciate like he, he saw what he wanted and he locked it down and like I appreciate him for that for not playing any games in that way with me and I want girls out there to know like you know expect more from the person that you're gonna spend your life with and you know some girls date guys for like years and years and years um and don't really like have that, I guess. Um, what am I trying to say? Like stability or like, you know, because um, girls need that. And yeah, it was really nice of him to do that. <laughs> <laughs> That's, well, you know, uh, I, I'm kind of on a similar, you know, boat. I see my friends that are still looking for a partner and they might be with one. And I'm like, man, I'm so glad. I'm. I should. I shouldn't say glad. I'm so grateful that I did not have to deal with that. You know, with with who I'm with now. It's always been like the from day one that I met her. I was pretty straightforward with her, and there's yeah. no like there's no like this weird game of like oh maybe I should wait two days to call her. Maybe I should delay responding to yeah. none of that shit. You know, just straight to it. Um, and 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 you know the only reason we took so long is because our parents took so long to come around because like of our um religious and you know to some degree yeah. our ethnic differences you know we're both from yeah the same general region but linguistically yeah. we're not the same 
Um, so I, that that brings me to another point. Like, it did did so so you know you kind of went back and forth over the course of a year. Mm-hmm. Um, at what point did did you share with your parents kind of like the full details? Hey, like this is somebody I met, um, and I'm seeing him, and yeah. uh, he's also you know different than us. You know, like what was that like? Yeah, I think. Um, so <laughs> I think my mom definitely found out from somebody. Um, which, you know, I, I wish she didn't have to, like now as a mom, I'm like, I should have just told her, but we, like I said, my parents, and I never had that relationship where I knew that when I would ever bring somebody to my parents, it was going to be the person I marry. And until I was ready to do that, I never felt like I was going to do that. So I guess I was expecting to get engaged and then come back and be like, Hey, I'm engaged. I don't know. I didn't even know I was going to go get engaged, I guess. I don't even know. So it was just like, um, my mom knew there was a boy when I left to go to Thailand. Um, she knew about Ahmed. She knew he was Muslim and, um, yeah, she was just like, you know, just, be be mindful of what that means and she never ever said like don't do that or like you're not allowed um but it was just like um you're gonna have to deal with a lot and I I get it now like I get what she was meaning from because what we have gone through hasn't been easy by any means um and there's a lot of people who probably still don't accept it till this day. Not my immediate family, but maybe like extensive family or whatever. Um, people just always have something to say, right? <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, so, I got so many good stories. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, but she was just like, just be mindful of what you're getting into. And um, yeah, other than that, like... That's basically where it was at. And so when I got engaged, I called her. I was like, hey, like, we're engaged. And she was like, you know, congratulations. And at that point, I didn't tell my dad because um, my dad, he actually also knew that I was dating Ahmed at that point. Did he? Uh, I think he you did. Might, you might have to ask him. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. <laughs> um yeah anyways but like anyways I didn't feel so comfortable telling my dad at that point um so I was like I'll just tell him when I get back um and so yeah I got engaged and then um at that point it was like um uh, it was a lot there was a lot happening there like my so okay (laughs) (laughs) it's a lot to unpack yeah okay so okay you know what it went down in a really not good way and I feel like I have to just say how it went down because like people deserve to take something from this and it wasn't easy um I didn't feel comfortable telling my dad that I got engaged um and my dad at that time was dealing with his own issues in terms of like alcohol and there was just so many other things um and so Basically, when I got engaged, um, all of my family and everybody knew that I was engaged except for my dad. And everybody in my family was kind of scared to tell my dad. Um, They didn't know what his reaction was going to be. And obviously, you hear all these stories about, you know, being the good girl, good proper girl that I was. um, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't like the 
pleasing daughter that I was or wanted to be like just felt that this would like I assumed he was not going to take it well and I say this because looking back on it I know I absolutely could have told my dad but this was my own self feeling like I couldn't um and I don't know I, I guess I just had to go through that process that way but um yeah now like from a parent's perspective like I know how much parents love their children and they just want them to be happy and my dad has totally blown me away in terms of the way he's accepted my life and the way I choose to live it and yeah it's just been really weird so basically I didn't tell my dad when I got engaged or married actually um everybody (laughs) in my family was a little bit um I guess they were they didn't know what to do that they didn't know how to tell my dad they I guess maybe also instilled that fear because they were fearful of my dad so this is where like I kind of go back to you know I had done my journey and I knew what was right for me and I came back home and again I had all these other influences telling me what I needed to be doing and it allowed me to again see like now looking back on it you have to learn to trust your own intuition um and see what's right for you and if I didn't have those outside voices like maybe I would have gotten that courage to tell my dad if I had like been able to sit with myself and like you know what I mean like but I was back home now and like everybody was like oh my god she's engaged what are we gonna do like he's Muslim how are we gonna tell dad and then eventually um my grandpa was like, okay, well, you're engaged now. Maybe it's just best, like, you get married and, like, get your court marriage done and start your life and we support you. We're here for you. And so, basically, I had the support of everybody but my dad, but my dad didn't really have a choice to get to support me. So, I wouldn't really know ever if my dad would have supported me at that time or not because I didn't give him the option. and. I wish I had because like as a father like now being a parent I realize like wow like that's important to him too so I see why he had those expectations of me and he only wants me to be happy and wants the best for me and he absolutely deserved to be a part of that time and obviously he had his own issues that he was dealing with and so it played out the way it was supposed to um and now he and I have just like such a different appreciation and bond where like, I know my daddy loves me. You know? And like, not that I had any doubt, but like, he has really shown me what unconditional love looks like. And um, I needed to go through that because I had a lot of anger towards him for his issues and what how he was dealing with them. But through my own journey, I'm able to see like, his life too, and what he went through and why he went through all that and how he's coped with it the best way that he knows how. Um, but that doesn't take away from his heart and what his intentions are. Um, he just might have some bad coping mechanisms and like, we all have our shit. So it is what it is. Right. But. Yep. I, um, I agree. I was going to, I just want I had a couple of thoughts and, and then yeah. I don't want to derail too much, but I will mm-hmm. say like the story that you're sharing and I've spoken to many, many girls who, who within the same context, context, similar circumstances who had to, who have had to deal with that. Um, mm-hmm. and continue to deal, deal with that. And even um, with my own fiance, I, I kind of tell her, I say, hey, look, 
um, you're you're an adult, and you aren't like you respect your parents, but you cannot put decisions, whether they're about us or about your own decisions, on hold because of your of your parents. You, you, yeah, you have to kind of um, live out your own decisions because you're gonna be the one who has to live out the consequences, not your parents. Totally. And so, and and I think um, going back to and I have two more thoughts. I go the the uh, second the next thought is. I think this whole idea of you going on your journey, if you came back and completely relapsed into the into suddenly becoming a function of other people, then mm-hmm. I feel like you would have that that entire journey would have it would the purpose mm-hmm. would have been created. So I feel like this journey home and closing the loop with your with your dad, mm-hmm. I get the sense that that is you know a part of bringing that journey of of becoming yourself an, an individual. I feel like that's yeah. a part of that journey. And then a complete yeah. side note. Yeah, I mean, even for my fiance and I, there's people, I'm going to try to anonymize them so not as to throw anybody under the bus, but there's people um, in her, we'll say community. Um, and I think one day uh, my fiance is like, hey, have you heard of a honey trap? And I'm like, no. And she's like, yeah, it's this thing where like Muslim guys in the UK go and like sexually groom like these Sikh girls and like f- basically coerce them into like becoming their slaves. And She's mm-hmm. like, yeah, like people in my community are worried about that. And I was just like, look, like, I don't know. Where... I tell about that too from people. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't know yeah. where you guys get this news from. I'm not saying that it's not true. But what I will say is this type of stuff is not common knowledge in my community. And for some reason, it's very common knowledge in your community. So I don't know which WhatsApp news group like your family's yeah. you know, listening on to. But it's all like, um, there's such a... Yeah, painting the Muslim men is being like super, and I'm not saying that it's not true in some cases, but it, it just mm. seems like it's so pat- like Muslim men are like patriarchal, force you to convert, have four wives, um, yeah, and, and gonna, it's, make you wear a scarf. And I'm like, dude, that is totally not who I am, so yeah. And <laughs> it's funny that you say that because you know, you would think that it's more from like the older community, but I was surprised at how much like people my age were asking me those things. Oh, uh, you don't know. This is what they do behind the scenes. They just don't tell you about it. <laughs> yeah. And I was just like, oh, that's just crazy. Like, no, <laughs> you know, um, it's just, yeah, it, it sucks. It sucks. It's these weird stereotypes um, that, yeah, don't, don't mean anything. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's so, out there. I know we're like um, almost coming up on the time. So I did want to kind of uh, bring things to a close, but I, I'm curious, kind of like, um talk about like the the wedding ceremony did you have one how did you like for example one debate i have is like is there alcohol or no alcohol because my there's many people in my family that will not even step into a room with alcohol versus my fiance's family it's it's it could be offensive to not have alcohol um did you have religious ceremonies did did the muslim side come to the gurdwara do like the whole ceremony themselves or like how did that all work out yeah, we how we got married was we did a court marriage and it was super small and in, intimate. Just like my family, he was here from South Africa by himself. So none of his family was there. And it was just like, you know, doing reading the vows. Um, it was outside in Stanley Park. And then we did like a little dinner with our friends afterwards in the evening. And then our plan was a few weeks after that, we were going to go to South Africa. And at that point, um, when we we're going to go to South Africa, we would be, we were already engaged. And so our plan was 
so we were engaged, but we had done the court marriage, but it was like a secret marriage. Like nobody knew about it, <laughs> like publicly, just our immediate family. And so when we went to South Africa, our plan was that we're going to plan an engagement party to celebrate the engagement. But at this point we were married, but nobody knew we were actually married. Yeah. So we were like, okay, we're going to plan an engagement party. And that's kind of how it started as. And then as the planning kind of started, the party's getting a little bit bigger, like from a backyard party, dinner party, we're going into like venues and like doing, you know, it's getting bigger. So then we were like, okay, we're already married. Um, and the reason we were doing this was because my dad still did not know about any of this. Um, and it just felt weird having a wedding without him. So we were like, our plan going into it was we're going to do the court marriage and then we'll have, we'll spend a year planning our wedding and then we'll do like the big wedding over the year and over the year, we'll be able to like, you know, get my dad on board. <laughs> like that was how I really saw it working out in my head, but like stuff never goes according to what you work it out as. And so when we got to South Africa, it went from planning an engagement to, okay, let's just turn this into a bit of a wedding because, um, you guys are already married and like you we, we were gonna spend the year planning and we're gonna you know it just it was just it made sense um so we had like a wedding an islamic wedding um and nika in south africa and nobody from my side was there at that time it was just like his side of the family but it was like a pretty big wedding um like not a huge wedding but it was like quite big and like a proper wedding and like I wore a white dress and like you know all of that so that was cool um but like also I, it's funny because like how I pictured my wedding is like so different from how it actually happened um and I feel like I want to touch on this because a lot of COVID brides are experiencing um altered wedding realities <laughs> and for some of some of them are having a tough time. Like I know some of my brides, I know two of my best friends were getting married this year, one which decided to go ahead with the smaller function and one that's decided, no, I want my big dream wedding and I'm waiting a year. And so like I've gone through all those motions and like it's kind of funny because I am able to relate to these COVID brides because as a wedding planner, like a wedding, like that's why I'm a wedding planner. I've dreamed about weddings my whole life. And then going to my own wedding, um, I think like literally the only thing I picked on my own wedding was tablecloths. And I was so adamant. I have to have sequin tablecloths. Otherwise, like this is not happening. Um, you know, I was, just, that was the one thing I wanted. And then the rest of it, like everything was just according to what was styled by my planner, which was also my lovely sister-in-law. And she basically took care of everything. And I just showed up and I picked my dress, which I found like a week before the wedding. And yeah, it was literally put together in such a short amount of time. But at the same time, like the amount of love and the amount of like, like the energy that we got, it was just everything that it needed to be, you know, so it's okay, like for your vision not to come out exactly the way you want it. Because um, at the end of the day, it's about the two people and what they share after the marriage. And um we put so much emphasis on the wedding that sometimes, you know, brides forget. And especially in our culture, um, it's such a big deal. So yeah, definitely um, be flexible with your wedding and what it looks like. For sure. That makes sense. I, I, mm -hmm. And I have one last question. 
uh, before we wrap up. And um, you can kind of answer this as generically or not generically as you'd like. Mm-hmm. So, so like a common question, I think, especially interfaith couples might be faced with is like, how are you going, like, what religion is your kid going to be? And I don't think we have to get into those specifics. I'd be curious to know, like, what did those challenges look like in terms of um, kind of figuring out what's the best way to raise our child? Do we want to raise them one way or another over another? Do we want to give them the opportunity to have visibility into, you know, both of our traditions or you know it's one of us you know because you might have like one person in a relationship that just doesn't care about the religion and they're like it's like Mm -hmm. i've seen that and it's completely acceptable and they let you know the other partner kind of run with it so i'd be curious to know like what was that like for you yeah so i think um basically like just going on my own self journey um my relationship with god i kind of established it in a way of like um it's something that I'll be on for my entire journey, working on it, building that relationship to be closer to God. Like that's what I aspire for. And I do believe that there are so many paths to that. Um, So just as a person, I think I went into it like as a really open person, um, accepting like a new religion. And I, I, when we did get married, I did want to convert um, just a belief that I had personally, even prior to, finding someone that I want to be with. Um, I've just always had this is I do believe in unity as a family. And I say this too, because this is not for everybody. Um, again, you just have to see what you like and what works for you and what fills your cup. So for me, like I love having that unity as a family. So it was also important to me t- for all of us to be the same religion. And when it came to converting, um, it wasn't really like a big question for me because like, I do have that faith in God and um and i want to learn more by no means when i converted did i know a lot about islam and no way am i any expert right now but like i said it's my lifelong journey so i was really open to converting and my son he is muslim he'll grow up muslim and yeah that it wasn't really like a point of contention for us and then when it comes to like traditions like we'll celebrate everything like i have cultural things and even when it comes to like religious stuff like um you know Diwali just happened and it has religious components like we're super open like it's just you know we celebrate in that way um yeah that, that's, <laughs> no that, that's cool I um you know I'm not religious n- nor is um my fiance but I kind of set the in, in set, and this is like I said people have a vision of how they'll like raise their children before they get married and then like things evolve, you know, to kind of conform to reality later on. But yeah, kind of the way that I, that we, we see things is like, Hey, like you want to take, if the, if you want to take the kid, you know, to some sort of religious ceremony at the Gurdwara, you're more than welcome to. Mm-hmm. If for some reason I felt compelled, you know, to go to the mosque, which I, I don't really go to. I could yeah. take the child too as well. And the, and the child um, is, you know, if they indicate interest in one over the other, like that's, we give them that agency and you can make the argument that kids aren't born with like um, a compass or one orientation over the other in terms of like religious beliefs. But that's kind of mm-hmm. our um, take on it so far. I'd say yeah. like uh, definitely like I had to really sell my mom on like the Sikh religion. Um, 
to kind of because as you know like in islam you're not supposed to marry technically outside of um the people yeah. of the book so like you you can go as far as christians and jews yeah. but um but no further than that and then of course mm-hmm. preference is like a muslim right so i kind of told my mom i'm like yeah like you know sikhs have like this thing concept of like the oneness of god and all this kind of stuff so yeah. like it's not completely different and it's definitely and, and it's this it's, it's not to be conflated with hinduism because even in among my own family they didn't know what really the differences between the two the two groups two faiths and so yeah um that's been definitely an interesting uh journey but yeah i was curious to know um what that looked like for you so i think um before we um end the the podcast i wanted to touch on three things just kind of briefly one yeah the first thing is there any any key message you want to get out two um can you share um kind of your latest project that you're working on and three how can people um get a hold of you and if you forget these i, I can remind you just let me know yeah um so i guess the key message is um working with couples i you know, you see so many relationships and just people tend to come to me with their relationship um, lives. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know why, but I love love. So it just happens. And one thing I can definitely say, like, I just hope um, like from like a young woman's perspective and like how we are raised, um, you know, we do a lot of self-reflection. I went in to do my self-reflection in my 20s. And I think it's definitely something that we can instill in our girls from a younger age and giving them those goals of learning about themselves and being who they are and supporting them um, and just building them up. So when they are in their 20s, they know what they want and they don't have to go through this period of confusion and not knowing what they want or what they should allow into their lives, like all these things just to really be and know yourself when you jump into sharing your life with someone. So that is, does that make sense? Um, Yeah, no, it it totally does make sense. Yeah. And, um, and that way, when you are there, you're able to handle it because like life is crazy. Life will throw so many things at you and like, You just need to be able to have that person that you know you can take on anything with and know who you are and your limits. So that is one takeaway. Um, And just speech bouquet. um, You know, I plan weddings. So if anybody is interested in a destination wedding, definitely hit me up. Um, And you can find me on Instagram at beach bouquet. And yeah, um, that is kind of our wrap up, I guess. Awesome. So yeah, I'll in for those listening, I'm gonna drop uh, in uh, Ender's um, Beach Bouquet Instagram handle. So if you have any questions, whether it's about wedding planning in general, or specifically her services, or everything we just talked about in the last hour, just shoot her a DM. I'm sure she will respond. Um, but yeah, I think I think that is it. Yeah, cool. Well, it was so fun. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for making the time. I'm uh, really glad. Uh, you came back on and for those who are not aware we've been trying to put this together for months so yeah I'm super happy this finally happened for sure i'm a scorpio i hate talking about my life <laughs> <laughs> it's okay it's all good thanks no, for sharing I, I just, yeah no i just hope that somebody's able to take something and learn something or it can help them um i just hope that can happen from this so that's what motivates me right now for sure. like, i have to do this there's some important things to talk about so yeah Awesome. 
Well, um, thank you for your time. Uh, I will uh, follow up at some point once this is uh, published. Cool. Thanks so much, Cameron. Thank you. Bye. Okay, bye.